Yes, welcome to Like I've Lips, Laverne, what's with your camera? Hold on one sec, I'm going to see what's wrong with the camera. As for mute, I start video, there you go. Welcome to Black Up Lips from Okay, good. Yes, welcome to Black Copper Lips. I'm expecting. Hello there. Hey, what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? Hey, Wayne. I'm good, honey. I just can't turn it on. If it's, I, will, I will come on in a minute. I just you know, um, I'll be honest, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just came out of the shower. Your hair's up, you know. In a, in a no, no, it's not that. Literally, do you know what it is? I'll be honest. Then I've just come out. And my nails took longer than they were meant to. Yeah. And I get back to my studio, so I'm online on the go. So I don't want you to like be seeing me moving and stuff. Oh, so I'm okay. in. I'm in. I'm that's online, good. but I'm on the go. But I'm here. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's that's great. You know, that's um, that's a okay. positive. That, that's I'm I'm happy that you join me anyway. You know, that's that's dedication, man. That's, that's yeah, man. I'll never do that to you. Never, yeah. never, never leave you there. Do you know what I mean? And that's the thing. I just I was a bit embarrassed because obviously I know you want me to show screen turn my screen on so, so i apologize for that but i'm here and i'm engaged good good <laughs> you engaged oh no we're there oh, no oh. not like that you know what i mean <laughs> just messing i'm just messing yeah. okay and crazy... your hair what it looks different today have you cut it no it's just um i washed it and i and it's just dry now you know it gets all dry I, actually i forgot to oil it yo that's okay pretty... so it's that's version. yeah it's a little crusty and you know, no, it doesn't look crusty at all. It looks it actually looks soft and nice, but it, I just, mean, it just looks a bit shorter. I mean, yeah, it's uh, it's not short. It's definitely not short. Look at this. I was just testing. Oh, it's just curly. It's curled up. Oh, yes. Okay. Okay. So, so you nice. love your hair, don't you, Wayne? Look at you. Because <laughs> I have you know what? To be honest, I haven't had hair for the best part of 16 years. Oh, okay. No, no, so longer. Like, Sorry, longer. Now. Since I left school, 26. I was, um, I was 16 when I left school. So 20... Two years, I haven't had long hair. I had my hair short, just a normal number two or under ten. Oh, she have to show years. me a picture of what you look like with no hair. You know, like, actually, actually, wait there. If you're lucky, um, I can pull you one up. I look, you know, what I look like. 
Look at Idris man. You got what? Look at Idris Alba, you know Idris Alba. Okay, well that's a, that's a good look. Really? Oh, no, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna show you a picture, man. Hold on. I was like that nice slick hair, like what did they call it? Waves or whatever. The patterns. On yeah, the top. I was. I was asking my mom. I was like, I bet that's my dad. Really, be honest. She was like, Yeah. I was like, I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's have a look. Are you looking for it? Uh, yeah. Give me a sec. Um, uh, one second. I can even show there. Uh, Quay, are you with us? Right here? No? She's with us, but um, I don't know why. But Oh, um, yeah. She's with us, but... Um, Cam- um, her mic's not on. I'm going to see. Yeah, her mic's not on. I want to see if she's... Oh. Hold on, let me see. I'll show you how I looked. Might be lagging as well, isn't it? Uh, wait, there, I'll show you this. Um, Yo, wait. Hello. Ah, yes. Okay, wait. I'm going to share my screen again and I'll show you how I look. Um, yeah. Yeah. Actually, let me turn this music off first. Um, this is the black off loops. Turn off the music. Okay, because it's probably going to go off anyway. And then I had this picture. Can you see? Oh, wait. Let's have a look. Can you see me? Oh, man, wait. Um, no, not yet. Oh, yeah. Oh, Okay. Oh my God, I can I see lo- what you've about Idris Alba. I'll show you a picture of Idris Alba because <laughs> I got it on the very next slide. You are too funny, you know. Oh God. <laughs> You're giving my dad? People knows, I think it's face shape maybe, and he's yeah. obviously um, a couple shades darker. That picture makes you look a lot darker than you actually are because you're not and that dark. You're quite brown. And he's, and he's older than me. That's why. He's like 10 years old. Yes. Like or even nice. Yes, yeah, so that's me, man. Looking like yeah, he's way older. All right, man. So. Well, at least you know you can rock both, and it you can rock the hair or the none, so it's all good. Yeah, did you grow it in lockdown? Um, now I've had it since um. When did I grow it, man? I've been growing it for about a year and a half now, I think. Or just over a year. Okay. So yeah, I'm feeling good. Quite, quite. I know it's a lot of guys, but um, using the lockdown. <laughs> To become hair, you know, like to put the hair on the head or the beards on the faces and all of this stuff. Actually, there was a big um. What, what do you say? There was a big craze a couple of years back. Uh, back when everyone was trying to grow like a beard and like a full manly beard, and I was like, uh, "What's going on here?" And uh, yeah, it kind mm-hmm. of kind of passed. I mean, it's still. It's obviously men look better with beards. Let's be honest. Um, um no, I think look- it depends. It's sometimes some some people it suits and some people it doesn't. Really? It depends on how your hair grows. If it grows pe- like pepper grains on your face, then no, you shouldn't have a beard. But if you get a nice, thick, full, healthy-looking beard, then yeah. Yeah, I don't get that. At least I... You know some people, they have beard and it's just like little pee coming out your face. Yeah. It's not the one. <laughs> You're fussy, man. You're fussy. I am, I am. No, no, I'm not, you know, you know, but I just know what looks nice and what I like. <laughs> <laughs> wow, well, okay. Um, Quay, she's maybe I'm fussy, I guess. I think she's not. I think, am I lagging today? Is it, is it delayed again? No, it so sounds, I know this it time. Fine. So. It sounds fine, actually. I listened, actually, listen back to uh, the podcast today. Um, it was definitely a delay on it. 
But I guess it was towards the end. I think at the beginning it started off okay, but then at some point uh, it started messing up. Towards the end? Yeah. Okay, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be conscious of that this time and just allow a couple of seconds. Oh, we almost got that. For we time. Craig, we almost got, yeah. He was almost there. So, um, so anyway, just to, just to uh, catch back up. So both of you and Quay were adopted. I wasn't adopted. I was fostered. You know, you know, that's the thing. What's the difference between being adopted and being fostered? Adoption is where the family that adopts you takes full responsibility for you and they're not paid. Okay. So you become part of the family, you can take their family name and they don't have any jurisdiction to tell the birth family where you are. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes, like, yes, yes, yes. You belong, yeah, you belong to them now. Mm. Um, and yeah, and then adopt, fostering is obviously where you belong to the state and okay. you, um, families are paid to look after you. So the state's responsible for you. So mm. if anything happens to you, it's the state. Before Only now, the law changed, I think, a year ago that foster carers could be held responsible mm. if anything happened to the children. But before that, it was the you know the local authority. Mm. So fostering is, and then there's long-term fostering, which means you'd be with them for a number of years. Oh. What's up? Hello. Hello, can you hear me? Yeah, I can still hear you. Yeah. Yes, I'm here. Can you hear me? I was, I was waiting for you Hello? to finish up. Yeah, I can hear you. I was waiting for you to finish up. Oh, I can't. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Hold on, wait there. Yeah, so yeah, and that's it. So fostering, you kind of, you don't belong to them. And adoption, you do. So it, it, it's beneficial and it can be negative. So, so foster care is you know like short I mean? term. So it's like fostering is like short term, I guess. Because if you're getting if you're getting money, no, because you can have. I was a I was in long term foster care, which means people can have you for over ten years. I was there for 14, 11 years. Okay, with one placement, but um, it just means you don't belong to them, so they can't do change your name. You know, like they can't just get up and leave the country with you. Whereas if this adopted child, they can do what they want. It's like it's their child; they gave birth to you. Okay. Mm. So foster. So what you want really is adoption, then. But although foster care, no, I didn't. If you're if you're in a if you're in a good home, yes. Imagine getting adopted into an evil home. Mm. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> so foster care, you can keep you can so, move then. You got you got well, you got more power when you're fostered. Then you can be like, I'm getting out of here. Yes. Okay. Yes. All no. Right. You, well, you wish you could tell them that they obviously they're not getting you out of there unless there's somewhere to get you. And mm. this is the this is probably what Quay is. This is why she's campaigning because there's not enough places for uh, black children to go. So they end up getting adopted, or like what's what she's been saying has been happening to her. Yeah. Hold on, you be having a problem with the microphone? Hold on. Oh, okay, the devices. Yeah. Right, continue to talk. Sorry, Wayne, because I'm just going to mute while I'm moving because I'm just going to make, I don't want to make too much noise, but I'm here. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Okay. So, um, yeah, so basically today's show will be based on once we get Quay and obviously Laverne when she gets her camera on. Will be about um, the adoption system. Um, it's very, I can put, it's very controversial actually. Actually, if you listen back to the first show, you'll find that, like, and I was actually just talking to uh, one of my partners, and she was also adopted out, and um, she didn't really want to. I actually invited her on the show, but she didn't really want to um, participate because she said it's a very traumatic experience and, like. Actually, you know what these people go through. It's it's 
you know, knowing that it's actually likely that they'll end up in a madhouse or an asylum or like dead or something because of these experiences that they have to go through when they're young is, is, is actually a tragedy actually for, for, for anybody to have to go through. And, you know, I'm, I'm happy that I never had to go through this because I know I believe my mother had to go through a little bit of this too. It wasn't too long or too bad because she, she obviously her mom passed away quite early. So she had to go through a little bit. Uh, I know she doesn't like talking about it either. So the fostering and all this stuff, um, it needs to be really looked at in society and figure out how we can definitely vet people who are, you know, because I, I do believe, I think it's like school teachers, actually. I think a lot of school teachers just decide to be teachers because you, you get six weeks off in a year and, you know, it's, it's a, you know, you think it's going to be an easy job, but actually it's not an easy job, but you think it's going to be an easy ride. You know, they don't like, they don't like kids. They don't like teaching people. They're just like, okay, this is an easy path, pass have to take so i'm going to take this path and i guess this is the same with foster care you could probably be like okay i'm gonna um take in a couple of kids get get some money off the the state and then yeah man it'll be all easy i can hear you guys now oh you can hear us now hey. oh, hi. Yeah, i can see you nice yeah. oh my gosh i'm having a worse day <laughs> that's okay oh nice to see you hi <laughs> This week, this this week, Mrs. Majors decided to. <laughs> yeah, but you'll see me in a minute. You'll see me in a minute. I'll be on shortly. She said something about not getting her makeup done on time, and and that's what it was. So, my nails. I was in the nail shop, and I had well, not nail shop, but yeah. What I want to know is how you I've go to man- how, how are you in lockdown? Oh, there we go. The nail shop. Can you stop baiting me? What do you know? Yeah, wait, what happened? She's um. Nothing. <laughs> uh, she she somehow got her nails done somehow, but we're all in lockdown. But she somehow got her nails done. I'm I'm just I'm just saying. I've got a shoot. I've got a shoot. When you well, do you modeling, do- you have to do. You got to do what you got to do out here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. And you got. You, I mean, you know, I do your own nails and stuff. I'm like me. I've been working all day, so I was just like, forget it. I'm going to start uh, learning, but um, what it is, you know, because I had the acrylics on before they shut the bloody. They locked everything down. So I had to get, you know, when you have to soak them off as they start snapping. Oh yeah. My nails, the nail beds, all my nail beds are literally bleeding. So I just had to, Ouch. yeah, I begged, I begged, please, for, you know, filming purposes. We had to <laughs> film so she could use it for her business, just to qualify Wayne, okay? Yeah, so I did that, yeah, but I'm all right now. But I'm, I'll literally, as soon as I've stopped traveling, my camera's on. All right, great. So, um, okay. yeah, I'll put it on gallery mode. The only thing is, I need to kick this one out. Um, so, Quay, how's it going? Uh, we wanted to find out a bit more because last week we kind of rushed through everything. So, we said we'll come back again this week yeah. and we'll try and take it a bit slower this week and 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 find out, yeah. you know. So, you yeah. was, you do you know what foster care is? Is that the same in America, foster care? Or do you just have adoption? Is that the same thing? Yeah, foster care. I think it's called the same everywhere where with English language. Like it's, uh, they take you from parents and they give you to some other people. Okay. Or if you're lucky, they give you to some other people. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. uh, so you. I'm just not liking these angles. So you look fine. You look fine. You know, great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll let you know. Um. So okay. So you, what what age was you fostered out? 
Or would you um, like, how I, did you end up in a in care of the site? Um, so that's a really, really long and convoluted story. Um, but the uh, be all and end all of it is um, I ended up getting put into foster care after a fight with my mom after a really yeah. long drawn out saga of a very messed up life from a rape baby of uh, mm. me. And um, I was about 13 years old. Okay, so you went quite late then? Because um, Laverne, oh. when did you go? You went really young, didn't you? Yeah, I was uh, 18 months. 18 months. Oh, wow. So that's already a different, that's already a different dynamic, if you ask me. Because I think with 13, because I was going to ask you, like, when do you realise that you're different? Like, when you, like, Laverne was in this foster family, uh, family. She was a black kid. Obviously, the first family was white. So did she know that she was different straight away? But with you being 13, you're already, like, you've already lived, like, a good portion of your youth. And then it's all of a sudden like, I can't deal with you anymore. See you in a bit, you know. So that's kind of, that's weird actually. Yeah. Um, uh, Laverne, did you want to comment first about? No, no, you go um, first. Yeah, you go first. Uh, for me, it was, I thought I was about to be like Huckleberry Finn um, and go on this like adventure. I guess, and it ended up being an adventure, unfortunately. Mm. Um, but my experience, my understanding of foster care before that was all from like little TV shows, Little House on a Prairie, um, oh, yeah. books that I read. Um, of course, I read Oliver Twist and stuff, and you know, that's like, oh, that's all made up. So when I get into foster care and I see what it's really like, it was just like, holy crap, this is the worst thing in the world. Oh. Um, but before that, I think my only real reference of it was a show, Little House on a Prairie, where uh, they adopted some kid off the streets. And mm. that was my knowledge of it. It was a foreign concept to me, other than my mom saying, like, this state will take you if we go outside. The state will take you if um, you leave the house or you tell your teachers about, like, what's going on at the house. And not that there was bad stuff going on in my house. It was more, my mom had to work four or five jobs, well, three or four jobs. Mm -hmm. And I would often be left alone with my little sister. And so we weren't allowed to go outside. We weren't allowed to do much of anything other than stay in the house and hope uh, that no one found out we were there. Okay. Okay, so, like, obviously, we don't, you don't need to get into, like, details because it's not beneficial to anyone, you know, that's your personal stuff. But um, what, what was like your, like, how did you feel at 13? I mean, was there just so much like, you know, obviously, how do you put it? Was there so much frustration and aggro that you just decided, you know, it's better for me to leave? Or did you do your best to try and stay or I don't? It wasn't my choice. And at the end of the day, it wasn't really even my mom's choice. Um, okay. We got into a fight. And she told me not to be home when she got back. Now, if I would have stayed, she we would have probably talked it out. And, you know, like, it was that You're very stunning. much 13 year old. I was yeah, say, well, teenage. Um, you did I tell you guys? This, well, did I, I told you guys the story last time, right? About the boy who tried to, like, force himself on me. Um, that's kind of how this started. Um, my little sister was officially taken <laughs> away um, by her rich family, her mm -hmm. rich um she was kidnapped essentially some rich lady came in and told my mom she was going to help her and then uh took my sister 
so my mom had psychological trauma from that and this was like weeks earlier and then mm-hmm. some boy came over and we were watching wrestling and then he tried to take it a step further and I beat his ass um and in response to that he told everyone he banged me um oh, okay. got back to my mom and she's like oh you whore blah 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 and I said um well I'm not stupid enough to get pregnant when I'm 13 oh. like below the belt punch not knowing that she had been raped mm-hmm. and uh she's just like you don't need to be here when I get back and because the week before I got into a fight with these girls who had been picking on my sister before then, mm-hmm. um, I had a broken wrist. Um, so my mom slugs me and I get a black eye plus the broken wrist from the fight where this uh, grown man brought golf clubs and gave them to his nieces to beat the crap out of me. I still won that fight, by the way. The cop just took me straight to foster, like took me straight to the shelter. And he's like, um, you're going to be here for a couple of days. You just have to stay here um, for a couple of days until we get you a foster home and your mom's never gonna be able to hurt you again. And at that point, it was just like, to me hearing that and having grown up with my mom, never really like even liking me that someone was going to take care of me, I thought, oh, this was going to be good. Like, I always thought that I was just a burden on my mother and uh, that I should have never been born. My whole family used to tell me I should have been aborted. So I thought this was a good thing. I didn't realize that yeah. things could get worse than they were. Okay. So how fast did it take before, like, because obviously you was 13. How long did it take before you realized, oh my God, this was a mistake? Or did you ever feel like it was a mistake? Or did you just... Uh, within 15 minutes, I was told that um, it was like 15 yeah. minutes into my stay in foster care, was it a big black uh, the lady, t- <laughs> the, the, the lady was like uh, the intake worker. I mm-hmm. uh, told me to try to call family members who I didn't know any. We had just moved to Georgia. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was like, you don't want to be here. And I said, well, when can I go to a foster home? And she said, girl, you're 13. Uh, don't nobody want teenagers. The only way you're going to leave here is if you go to jail, a mental hospital, or a group home if you're lucky. Oh and then I was like, oh, fuck. And there was, <laughs> no, mean, option to go, there was no option to go back. Was it pride? No, my, my mom didn't want me. Like, you have to understand, I was a... My mom had gone through severe trauma. Mm-hmm. Uh, for starting off with... Um, well, probably starting off before me because her dad was abusive to her mom. But... um. Uh, he actually ended up killing somebody shortly before all this happened too. And then we watched him get killed on TV. Uh, wait, 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 pull, pull it back. Wait, I didn't catch that. Your, your dad? Oh no, you heard it right. Wait, wait. <laughs> Man, I'm back where I was last week. I'm back. I know, I know. Like, this is just so intense. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. It sounds so much more interesting than it was at the time. Um, I can imagine. <laughs> So, um, my grandfather was a woman beater and he beat the crap out of my mom, my, not my mom. She said all he did was spank her, but he beat the crap out of my grandmother. He beat the crap out of her children. Um, and, uh, eventually my grandma left him for my other grandpa. Yes, I have, um, I'm related to myself technically, but not like bloodline. Um, but so she left my one grandpa for my other grandpa Uh, my dad's dad that's how my dad got into my mom's life and um she uh he never really recovered from her leaving him 
And he was always alone, like almost my entire life. I don't remember him ever having like another wife or anyone. Everyone else was getting married, but my grandpa was still pining over my grandma. And um, eventually he did end up getting with some woman and it was really bad for him. Uh, she, they went to Minnesota or yeah, I think it was Minnesota or Wisconsin. And um, she pulled a knife on him and tried to rob him. Yeah. And then he pulled a gun on her and shot her. And then, um, <laughs> so he killed her and he's like, I don't want to go to jail. And he's flipping out and he has his, he holds himself hostage in the park. Um, and it's all going down on TV. He's like the first black guy, first mentally ill person who I've ever seen the police kill, um, on the news. I was 13 years old watching this and, um, that's so sad. Oh, that's horrible. Um, <laughs> that's Willie so, down there. Yo, that's Willie. <laughs> Yes. it was exactly like that everyone was like oh my god and so we're gathered on the tv they're like indiana man is holding himself hostage in minnesota and so it's all there and then I, like it was like hours and hours and hours long standoff he's just begging to speak to his children and the police are like f you and we're all like where's the hostage negotiator and they're like there's no real hostage but himself um so there's no one there like negotiating with them and then finally he gives up and he points the gun in the air and then, well, no, he points the gun at the police and then he points it in the air, he points it back to his head and then he drops it. And the second that gun hit the floor, when the police were like clear, he can't shoot back at us, they pumped him full of bullets. Really? See, that's, that's, yes, that's, that's and for, <sighs> yeah, for a split second, um, I watched my grandpa getting shot on that's, live TV. That, that's crazy. That's, that's that trigger happy, you know, thing that goes on in America. Man, where there's just, I don't know if it's like that everywhere. I don't want to tarnish everyone with the same brush. But it seems to me that the police are very trigger happy in that country. And they're willing to, just, especially if it's a black oh, guy. Oh yeah, that is, that's what it is. Well, if they waited for they waited for hours though. Like, why well, shoot him after he dropped the gun? Other than, ha ha, you can't shoot us back now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know, man. I, I'm sure. Yeah. Was... yeah, carry on. So yeah, that that like this. So the hard part is anytime someone asks me like, how'd you get into foster care? It becomes this whole different thing because there's yeah. so many layers we're talking mm -hmm. a family that is exactly two generations removed from slavery uh my grandmother was raised by indian school runaway allegedly uh, that's the stories i hear from my family but i'm waiting on seeing the res card uh mm -hmm. here in america the native americans have these like uh cards um very hitler-esque mm -hmm. um oh and it dates back to when they couldn't leave the reservation without that card or else they'll like get hunted mm -hmm. um yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm waiting to see that proof. But the story goes, my great grandma ran away from an Indian school mm. and um, she ended up with, so she said, so there's one trauma, great grandma separated from her family, tortured in an Indian school so bad she ran away, raises mm. her kids, who knows what that was like, grandma's being beaten, uh, you know, by some ex-slave or the father of an ex-slave, I don't know, but basically a lot of generational trauma. Yeah. Um, I think that's all, yeah, it's normal, but it's also not because uh, it's normal in that this is stuff that Black families in America have to deal with, mm. and Native American families have to deal with in America. But it snowballed. There's no yeah. way. Um, like we were at the time, from what my mom tells me, her family was um, middle class. No. Um, very like we had a big house. My grandma had like this huge house in the middle of a suburb in Indiana, mm. and our whole family just snowballed 
after she left my grandpa, who was a wife-beating child molester, essentially. Yeah. So this woman decides to survive and take her kids away from this man who's brutalizing her. And the punishment for that is the next two generations of her family just struggles. Yeah. Like, they're drowning. Mm-hmm. I think that's what happened after the, you know, the whole Black Wall Street um, episode. And, um, you know, we built ourselves up and then one guy gets blamed for doing something that he didn't do. And then, you know, obviously the the usual thing happens. The guys go crazy and start killing everybody of one race. Um, and that's the same thing when when I look at, even when I think of my mum and her parents came from Jamaica, obviously, to England, but didn't come with anything and never set up anything for them. So that means my mum's going to struggle. We're going to struggle as the next generation. Now we're trying to bulk the trend. We're trying to help that it stops. But even now it's going to be, the, the, the people who are not going to struggle is the is my kids. Hopefully, they're going to be all right. By then, we've already moved, married out of our out of our circle anyway, and then it's over. You know, so it's really sad that well, when something we say happens. It's over, but uh, you know, depending on the partners that you choose, that can check that can change, can't it? And that's all I mean. Oh yeah, though, my son's my son's dad is the reason for my struggle. <laughs> so um, it it really depends on how life goes like if you're lucked out to make this stuff up like I have a college degree I was supposed to go over to Europe actually to London to study at uh, St. Andrews and my son's dad refused to sign for him to get a passport so Mm. I was stuck here in the United States being told I should be just happy that I got an education as opposed to going to London and being this really like well Scotland and being this like fancy pants doctor person I'm like a struggling single mom here but The Black Lives Matter movement is hopefully changing some of that. Um, you know, that got a couple of new jobs, which is why I was late. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, that I wouldn't have gotten otherwise. I wouldn't have got, like, these are jobs I've been trying to get for the last 10 years. Mm. And all of a sudden, now there's opportunities for me. Yeah. So I'm very thankful for that. Yeah. Actually, that's another thing. Just quickly got to take a side note. Uh, that's why I really, a lot of people got these different opinions about Black Lives Matter. You know, a lot of people are like, you know, I, I think it's the right. I don't know. If, they're always saying the left and the right. I don't really understand it. The right used to be bad. It used to be like right wing. And then the left was always like the liberal people, the hippie guys who love everybody. But for some reason it's changed. So the right's good now and the left's bad. I don't know. No. I, I, well, I, I mean, I think it's reversed in London. I think it's reversed in Europe. Like here, right's bad, left's good. But don't understand. Uh, don't understand like that, um, don't people always like, are oh, they stupid lefties? Isn't that what they always say in America too? The lefties, the lefties having their free time, and I'm like, yeah, the the right wingers say that they're yeah. very dumb right now. So let's that, let's not get into politics because yeah. I I, I uh, I'm trying to sell a book. Yeah, I just wanted to quickly say the Black Lives Matter movement. Oh, Major, you're muted. Oh, Major's muted. Oh, yes, I'm here. Sorry, I just didn't want to. Um, any noise unnecessarily. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, I'm here, guys. I'm still here. <laughs> yeah, what I want to say, one, one thing, everyone's got their own opinion about Black Lives Matter, but I think it's a, if you get away from all the other stuff, you know, all this other stuff that's going around, whether it's started by free people who people seem to not like or, what, or if George Charles is involved or not, I don't care. To me, the message is, please, can we have some help too? That's it. Can we have some help too? Can we come on the same level? Can we get a middle class? In England, there's no black middle class. Yeah, I agree. There is no black there's middle, no class, black in middle class There's no black middle class in England. None. You got the. You know what I found out recently? What's that? There's no black middle class in the United States except for like in a couple of select cities. 
Like See? I grew up in Atlanta and I thought this was just how it was for black people. And then I drove across the country mm-hmm. and all I saw was immense poverty, like yeah. make, make you cry kind of poverty. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So and that's, that's why I'm always saying, oh, that's all I want with black lives. Matter. I understand this white people who struggle. I absolutely understand it. Less than black people. Come on, let us have, let's just, let's say we have 50% of the black people doing well. You know what I've got to say about the struggle for black people? And I think that, um, Quay, right? She's experienced the extreme sure. <laughs> yeah, effect of the struggle as a female. Because you see, as a male, she would have a complete different story. I'd be in yeah? prison. Being, being a black woman and a black yeah. man, the pain is real, but it's different. Yeah, it's very different. And I've been in situations when I was younger, I was talking about this today, where I'd be with black boys and I had to protect them so much because I used to think, if I was born a boy, this would be me. What you're doing to him, you'd be doing to me. But because Mm. I'm a female, you're going straight for him. Does that make sense? But they would still, like I said, when you come through foster care, you're seen as, you know, the lowest of society. So I did feel that, I don't know if you can agree to this, um, Quay, but they treat you, like you know like with the criminals and they don't expect you to aspire too much so they don't support you know it's just they just have a negative outlook on you in the first place mm-hmm. and you've really got to have a very strong mental attitude to fight through all of that and become something yeah um and then on top of that what you were saying about black lives matter just make making it equal give us a chance that's what i i'm on the same page as you with that way because that's where people are missing the message a lot and I think that's what we're trying to say. We we are like, you know, like other races have got a head start, mm. 10 steps ahead of us. Do you know what I mean? And mm. it's not fair. No. And until well, it's a fair level ground, then, you know, sorry. Yeah, that's kind of what I was saying, yeah. So in the US, it's so weird. So um, yes, there's a stigma of foster care. In fact, I learned that um, here it's the reverse. Uh, so foster care does everything it can to make you a criminal, to make you um, into a statistic. Uh, Mm. There's nothing that anyone will ever tell me to convince me of different, just the way they funnel children into the prison system. Um, I told you guys last time that the first time I went to jail was for playing baseball. Um, And the way that they force fed us medications, like I'm writing this book and I'm realizing I'm at a point where I had to fight and convince them to stop drugging me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've never heard of another person of any social economic class of any race having to convince someone to not medicate them for a condition that they didn't have. Like they get paid for, they get paid extra and money in government grants for the mentally ill kids that they have. So they make every kid mentally ill. Um, yeah, of course, it's of course. horrible, but as, but what's unique about the United States and I don't, I can't speak for the UK because the only thing I know about the UK is from like skins and, uh, uh, TV shows and I think uh, what was her name MIA so to know what like the lower class of uh, the UK is like is like from the rapper and stuff uh, oh, but yeah. for here <laughs> uh, get high like planes all right anyway um, <laughs> she's from the UK I thought she was American you know no she's from the UK like the whole video is like about like the underbelly in the UK and how people talk about immigrants I did uh, not know that. Okay, cool. I, lo- I love her. Um, but here, yeah, she did. I love her as well. Uh, Black people have it really hard. Native Americans have it really hard. I would say mm. we are in this steady competition on who has it the worst. <laughs> oh, God. Um, here, um, 
And in fact, it's creating some kind of weird thing dynamic where it has for a very long time where people just fight. No, we have it worse. No, we have it worse. We both have it bad. Um, Hispanic, Hispanic Americans who are not white. So they call them non-white Hispanic people from South America. They mm-hmm. have it pretty bad. Um, everyone in this country has it bad except for rich white people. Even yeah. poor white people. Most of my friends who are in my book are all white. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're in these stories are of my friends getting beaten by cops and being force fed drugs until they start hallucinating and um, being sexually assaulted. Like these are white kids, but mm-hmm. they're not the white, ki- the right kind of white here. Um, you have to be yeah, a certain part. Yeah, they don't fit yeah. the mold. Yes. Oh, they fit the mold for America, but they're they're the they're the Irish. I mean, literally, the most of them are Irish. It's like the oppression from Ireland just came right over here. Uh, yeah. and, um, any Irish person who wasn't lucky enough to get rich, they're still struggling. Um, mm. It's insane. America is very much a caste system, and it's like Black Native American at the bottom, uh, Hispanic, and then like the lighter shades you get until you get to like an Irish and it's whether you are rich Irish or poor Irish. And then, and then it's the normal people. It's, it's insane. Um, And all, everyone who is not wealthy and white struggles, um, but they all have different struggles. And the one example of how government intervention can help increase communities that we have here is uh, for Asian Americans who were poor and struggling just like everyone else. And a lot of them still are, but the government then imported a lot of Asian Americans who were already rich and successful from like China and India yeah. and uh, said, look, these rich Asian, these rich, successful Asians are rich and successful. Why aren't you black people? Yeah, um, And completely ignoring all the other Asians who are still struggling. <laughs> That's interesting. So can I ask as well, um, Quay, what are you campaigning? Are you campaigning for black children or all races? Um, foster kids, period. Um, there are specific struggles that are unique to black kids, like um, the lack of foster homes. But from my understanding, based on my friends, getting into a foster home isn't necessarily a great thing. Um, mm-hmm. All of my female friends who were started off in foster care and they all um, had foster care placements uh, with, within homes, they were, they were in homes and they were being molested and they were being abused. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. So I... I, it's like a catch twenty two. Yes, uh, black kids aren't getting pla- aren't getting placed, but white kids are getting placed with these horrible people who are abusing them. Can I say something as well? You know what I used to think when I was growing up in care, Quay. So I really respect what you're doing. I always knew I was going to come back because you know that you have to. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like you've got no choice but to come back and help the ones who are going to be there when you grow up. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, and you know that the world's going to get worse. You know, like you have a feeling as a child. You know, but yes please what i wanted to do was i actually was thinking to create the government should be creating jobs for children that come out of care who have managed to get themselves educated like yourself that go in as independent um what's the word i'm looking for like lay assessors right Mm. so in england we have a thing called lay assessments where if you have a disability you go in and you're independent to all these services and service users can speak to you without any reprimand you know like nothing happens to you yeah straight yeah nothing happens to you so it gives that safety barrier and i knew that that's missing in the social like you never get um, an independent person going into a foster home to check on the child, you know, or how yeah. they do it puts the child in more danger because like a child's going to tell you, <laughs> well, you're sitting there next to the foster carer or, you know what I mean? But- yeah. Um, and they have it so that 
Um, caseworkers are overburdened. Our system is underfunded. Um, parent people who want to foster end up that are good people end up stopping fostering because of stuff like, oh, well, you took one kid. Here's 15 more. Um, my yes, son's dad's yeah. my son's dad's mom. Uh, my son's grandmother. She um, she decided to foster after meeting me. And she started off with two kids and then she had seven and then she had like nine and it gets to the point where she's like, okay, I can't take anymore. Um, Cause they just, they, they will give her as many. And then you have people who are just like looking to cash a check uh, yeah. and they'll take all those kids. Like I like the people who I used to sleep in their basements, yeah. but there are other people who are just like, this is just overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but how can they say no to a child in need? It's, it's like, how, how are they supposed to say no when they're good, kind hearted people and eventually they get so overwhelmed, they just, they just stop. Yeah. Um, yeah, emotionally, it's a can lot. I, um, yeah, I can, can imagine. I, can I ask you guys a question, both of you actually? Um, so when things are really difficult, and I guess this is probably Sophie Laverne would, I'm interested how Laverne would answer this because she obviously went there a lot younger. Uh, when you're young yeah. and you're having problems and issues, is there anybody to really talk to? Like confide no. in? No. Oh, that, that was too cool. uh, <laughs> I mean, but that's, that's the right answer, though. Like, it, it's like Laverne was in a home, like in a foster home. So when you're having problems, especially with your foster parents, there's mm-hmm. no one to talk to. You can talk to your caseworker. What are they going to do? Tell your foster parents that you said something and then make the relationship even weirder. Right, oh, Laverne? So oh, I think she's doing something. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, sorry. Just pay the man. Yes. Um. Yeah. No. It's really difficult. It's so. And imagine being that young child where you're manipulated. Um. Me and my. Me, I. Luckily for me, and this is why I praise God with every breath I take. Thank you. And why I'm such a God fearing person because I saw how I was lucky. I've been very blessed. I'm not gonna lie. I've experienced. I've experienced stuff. Yeah, so I'm not going to say it's missed me. Stuff hasn't missed me, but I had my sister. So when we thought we were going crazy, we had each other. Does that make sense? And I knew that there was lots of kids like yourself, Quay, that were on their own. And I know if I was on my own, I would not. I would. I tried to take myself out at eight years old. I was done. <laughs> eight years old? Yeah. Eight years old, I was like, no, no, no. You did not create me to be abused all my life. I'm sorry. Bye. And my sister was like, stop being a dickhead. <laughs> and I was just like no I'm going but because I couldn't leave her I had to stay so it was just like yeah if I didn't have her I would have gone all the stuff you've been through hell no hell no no <laughs> um for me I had um the luck of being in a group home where there was a bunch of different kids who had all experienced uh varying degrees of everything I had experienced whether they had just came into care or had been in care their whole life and then there were uh, for every bad staff member, for every four or five bad staff members, there's one good one. And there, there's a truly, really good one named Mr. Eric, quote unquote, air quotes, that's not his real name. Uh, but he took a special interest in me. And I think it's because he realized I had like a little baby crush on him. Uh, and <laughs> look, I was a 13 year old teenage girl. And I, there was a guy who looked like John Stamos just sitting there in front of me. So <laughs> there, there's a, 
Yeah. Um, but uh, he was just this cool, kind guy. He would just sit there and talk to me for hours. And he was a bad influence because our talks would usually be in timeout and me, me being in trouble. And then uh, him saying, like, I don't feel like working today. And I would just sit there and time out with him all day. But it was someone I could confide in. And after him was a, the teacher, Mr. Dennis. Damn it. Mr. Donald. I don't know. A teacher, Mr. Sellers, I guess. I don't know. I try to change everyone's name, but he was there when I was on the streets. Um, he was a staff member at the group home I was in. And then um, when I was on the streets and I keep losing homes, he would be there every week. I'd go to see him at the group home and have a guitar lesson. And the guitar lessons, unfortunately, were just us talking um, about life and him making sure things were okay. And at one point he almost got into a fight with this guy um, when he was helping me. Uh, I got this house I got, I was given a house. I was given a whole at, whole darn house um, by a, a law firm when I was about 17. And the caveat of that was that it, I was to share it with um, someone who they just brought down, moved down to Georgia to be one of their lawyers. And this guy, he was, um, have you heard about the Atlanta men? Um, the DL and all of the weird stuff that happens here in Atlanta no. with the guys? Okay, so um, Atlanta has a very thriving gay community, and it also oh, has a very okay. thriving. Yeah, we also has a very thriving closeted community. Okay. A lot of okay. black men who don't want to be known as gay. Okay. Um, and this, I had to share the house with this guy. He was like overemphasizing that he was supposed to be sharing it with another man. It was supposed to be a boy. It was supposed to be a boy. That was creepy off the bat. Like, okay, Captain Petto, why are you so desperate for a boy to be here? Um, and I walked in on him with, at first I met his girlfriend and she's like, oh, hi, blah, 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 blah. But then I walked in on him with a trans, well, I don't know if she was transgender or just a guy, a guy dressed in women's clothes. Cause she didn't identify herself as women. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I walked in on him with the transgender prostitute and had to, uh, immediately, I was immediately kicked out and no one would believe that what I just saw. And that was the reason I didn't say anything to him about it, but like, I pretended like I saw nothing, just left the house, came back the next day. Um, and was told after school and was told I needed to get my stuff and leave. And, uh, a law firm was like, I'm sorry, we're under contract. We can't kick him out. <laughs> I'm like, I'm 17 and you're throwing me on the streets. Cause this guy wants to bang hookers. Great. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's crazy. But uh, when he was, when the teacher was getting my stuff, uh, the guy was like screaming at me and uh, the teacher was like almost got into a fist fight with him. Like, this is a child. This is a damn child. You are not going to talk to her like that. And who yeah. the hell do you think you are? It was like, it was the first time I ever had someone like outright defend me yeah. when someone was trying to be physically aggressive to me. And it's probably like the last time too, because okay. people don't defend black women. That's how it works here. That's, that's kind of weird because like we don't I don't think we have that relationship in, in the Europe as much like I think a lot of the black guys we defend our black women I don't know where it went wrong in America and I think it's because of that whole slavery divide thing um, rap music I'm not blaming slavery rap, I blame rap music rap music too, I blame 90s extent. rap music it was it was so degrading so yeah. just anti-woman I don't remember anyone being like that before I was 14 when it came to like men just openly disrespecting women and black men treating like black women like they were the lowest thing mm-hmm. possible in history um 
And you know what? I just lied because there was one other time where some black brothers came to my defense. I wasn't actually in danger. Me and my boyfriend were wrestling around at the bus stop and um, he was a white guy. And I was like, ow, you're hurting me. And he wasn't really. And these like swarm of black guys was just like, what? Get your hands off our sister. So like yeah. you have those kind of guys and they're, they're more, I'll say there are more of them than the ignorant dudes who yeah. treat black women like nothing. And I don't want to present like black men in America as if uh, all of them hate black women. That's actually not what's happening. But unfortunately the ignorant ones like Kanye West have a bigger voice. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, with the Kanye situation, I feel like no, this <laughs> is this is hi. I think this is a whole, whole nother topic because I feel that the privilege that exists in this world, um, it can encourage certain black men to want to better their lives and think, you know what? You know, like you said, like break the cycle of poverty and think, right, if I'm going to just if I just go with a white woman. Yeah, and just stay away from black women. It means I'm going to have a more, more opportunities for me. You know, like sometimes I don't think it starts off as a vindictive thing, but it just turns into it. In the U.S., it's the reverse. Um, in the U.S., I can say Nick Cannon said it best and slash worse. White women are treated like they are a trophy for black men. So white women aren't the way that black men get ahead. It's when black men get ahead they get their trophy white wife. Like, this is my trophy. Um, and to an extent, that's okay. Like, I date white guys. I, I don't ever think that they're blood better than black men. In fact, I'm kind of over white guys too at this point. Yeah. Um, over guys. <laughs> I'm over men at this point. Uh, but I've never, I've only heard men say that white women are trophies or I've only heard certain men treat black women like dolls dogs but i want to emphasize it's not all black men here it's just a certain select group of ignorant yeah. ass motherfuckers uh sorry saudi sorry audience um <laughs> like what kanye crazy. west said after he left um amber rose he was like i had to take 100 showers before i could be with uh kim kardashian after being with her like wow so what you're saying is that this black woman is dirty and nasty compared to your your wife who was in a porno so you have a dancer versus your porn star Shut the fuck up, honey. Amber Rose is white too. Amber Rose is white too. You're going to wash off the blackness from your private partner, but you black yourself. No, he didn't say he's going to wash off the blackness. He was just saying she was so dirty that he had to wash himself a hundred times before he could be with Kim Kardashian. So presenting the black woman as this dirty, filthy thing versus the white women who he worshipped. But now he's, (laughs) now he's claiming, oh, I'm in the movie Get Out. So he deserves what he gets. I'm Tim Kim. I'm Team Kim Kardashian right now. I never thought I would be. <laughs> Are you? Care. But that's but that's out. I don't even know what's going on. I don't know anything about them. All I know, you know is she's divorcing him. I'm like, yes. No, but you know what? Um, I was thinking. I was speaking about this the other day, and I still stumped. Like, I was saying today, actually, with my nail guy. <laughs> right. Basically, I was saying to her, I would like to touch and do. I need to address the relationship between the black woman and the black man. Right. And I want to do an experiment and it's going to be like a social experiment. It's going to be a dating one. And I'm going to put decent black men or, you know, those that want to be decent, want to learn or feel that they are and women who are decent black and put them together. And yeah, I'm going to try something here. So you're more than welcome to get involved with me. There's actually a need for that there. They just started the app called black people meet. There are black people who are actively 
seeking other black people like i hate that i'm presenting this idea of what the united states is like uh conversation you know the conversations that need to be had as well i want to definitely make sure that i'm having these conversations because i find that people like to do things and skip over the problem because you haven't addressed it do you understand what i mean like because we need to learn and i need to hear it from a black man's mouth actually no can i don't like this you know what i think it's not really been it's been scorned upon for the longest time especially in america for a black man or a black girl to be the white man or woman. So could mm-hmm. it be that we're just going through a phase where everyone's kind of like, you know, when you finally get something new, it's like a bit of a, oh, we're going to try this, we're going to try this. And maybe in like... Uh, the, unfortunately, in America, black men and white women and black, uh, black, white, black men and white women are a new thing uh, because in the old days, if a black man was with a white woman, he could, he could get killed. But yeah, white yeah. men have been raping... White women, white men have been raping black women since slave times. I mean, yeah, that's, that's just how it is. And, um, and in fact, the 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 case that got it to where we have interracial marriage was between a white man and a black woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, but because of this weird dynamic, like I was walking down a street once when my son was just a baby, not even with his dad, and um, he's just like little. Like he makes Drake look dark skinned to put my son in perspective. He's a very fair skinned little boy. Um, And when he, when he was a baby, he just looked like a little white kid. Um, And I had a, um, I had black men who were the quote, quote, the new Israelites or whatever they're called, uh, black Israelites screaming at me, calling me a slave master's whore. And I thought it was just them. But then I had that, I had that repeated to me by black men occasionally as I've gone uh, grown up and had my son I mean as he's grown up and they see him and they're like oh yes that's why you like the slave master stuff and at the same in the same voice they will say this is why black men don't like black women like okay so if you're it's okay for you to be with a white woman but it's not okay for me to be with a white man like I think it's the same as what said last week about that's the same level as racism, really. It's just the same level. They're like idiots. They're Both like sides and, and a lot of trauma as well. And yeah. took me, I went to white schools. So like yourself, when you don't have any, you don't see, there's no option <laughs> to have the same race. And you realize that I was building very beautiful relationships with my friends. Didn't care. It doesn't matter what color they were. And there was a few boys that I could tell they liked me. But because I was a black girl, they didn't know how to approach me. Does that make sense? But yeah. So it was a thing where, and I didn't want them to approach me. So I used to deliberately just swerve any opportunity <laughs> that they could have, right? But because, and the only reason is because I was like, if I go with a white boy first, it might completely change my perception on a black boy. So I want to get to know what a black boy is first because I am a black woman. So I think, you know, like the awkwardness of, you know, not awkwardness, but you know what I mean? The differences. I thought, let me go with someone who's the same first because I do want to explore I've always said it I said to all my friends now I'm older I can say it with my chest right I will be bringing men of different race I will explore the world because what the hell it's boring like I love black men but doesn't mean oh I'm a black woman and I must keep stick to one race I don't believe that we should be like that but well we're treated like property um we're often treated like property as black women um like our women blah 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 um and yeah, when I'm, if I sit down with a white man and go into a coffee shop, the dirty looks that I get is unreal. 
So I know what you mean. I get dirty looks. Um, same with my kids. They're light skin when they were younger. And a lot of white women with black mixed race children used to nod at me. And I used to be like... And because they go through the same crap. My yeah. ex, my first love ended up married, ending up, ended up having a, a baby with this woman. Um, and he told me all this horrible stuff about it. Turns out she's just this great woman and he was a piece of crap. He's a piece of crap. Uh, but he's like from when I was 13 and he's like my puppy love. And um, so I befriend her. She marries this uh, black man and has a very dark skinned kid. And so she has one white baby, one black baby. Meanwhile, my first love's mom is trying to get me to date him or one of her sons for some reason. And I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. And it was because I didn't want more kids. And the problem with her, with the ex-wife going with the black man was because she didn't want her grandbaby having black brother like a black brother or sister and I was like well you're trying to get me with your son and she's like yeah but that's different because you don't want kids oh my gosh uh so it was like this the problem wasn't that even the dating it was the the procreating of more of different race children and so she wherever she goes she gets treated called like she's on welfare too Mm -hmm. and especially she had like she went through a period where she was raising her nieces and nephews so that they could stay out of foster care and so she had like three white kids and one black kid and people would just give her the nastiest looks. And she's like the nicest, most caring person. The one who stood up and like took all these kids in from her family. So they didn't go to the state and she's being treated in her own community mm-hmm. as if she's like this welfare queen. Um, so the white girls get that unless they're super rich. Um, then it's like they're, they're trophy babies, but down home white girls when they have kids who are dark skin especially if they have another kid who is white they are treated like absolute trash and i feel like it's a prop it's an idea that women are property mm-hmm. i mean even the idea of black men with white women the the trope of that isn't that they are attracted to white women some are like i have plenty of friends who just date white girls or date black girls or date asian girls it's not a property thing but then you hear some of them and i do want to emphasize that i'm not talking about all men say stuff like like Nicola Cannon, white women are a trophy. And it's like, wow, you are just made them property. You've, you black women are property. And it's, it's a, this is a feminism issue. I think, I think everybody speaks on their own personal experience, but then if they're in a position of power, you know what I mean? You've got to be careful what you're saying because it can be taken as gospel to some people, you know? But I don't take anything people say, you know, I take everything as an opinion, like that's your personal thing. Um, and I feel like my experience has just, just just taught me to challenge, challenge everything. Mm, yeah. yeah. I, I will I will say uh, to bring it back home, my decision uh, when I date um, for a very long time when I was a teenager, why I dated white guys is because I kept finding out that black guys I had crushes on were my cousins. Really? Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, but <laughs> the classic. So, so like, yeah, my, my grandma had, my great grandma had 10 kids. My grandma had 10 kids. My grandma on my dad's side my great grandma on my dad's side had like six kids. My grandpa has like nine kids. My dad has nine kids. So there's like all these people who I don't know. And um, a lot of them moved to Atlanta. And I think the worst one was I had the hugest crush on Ludacris. Like the biggest fucking crush on Ludacris. And um, yeah, well, he's hot, right? Yeah, he's my cousin. <laughs> so I <laughs> wow. uh, found that out. I found out when I was 19. I was like, yeah, I, I can't do this. I don't want to have any forearm, ba- like forearm babies. Like, <laughs> no, but you know what? I can relate to that because um, when I was in hostel, I, um, I had a lot of Somalian friends because at that time there was a lot of Somalian girls breaking out of their culture. And um, I remember they wouldn't date any boy 
in their own in a Somalian boy. And I was like, why? They'd be like, nah, man, that's my cousin or my brother. Or they're like, nah, <laughs> nah, do you know what I mean? And it's real. So, you know what I mean? It's individual to, to, uh, to different people and their experiences, isn't it? What, what I wanted to just say to you, what I wanted to get to is, so your book, right? It's about your experience, your whole, is it your life story, basically? Yeah? Um, I didn't want it to be, but it's like how we started this conversation, you know how we're all like on a completely different topic now? Yeah. When people say like, every time I start talking about foster care, the first question, which is normal, is how did you get into foster care? Yeah. And so... Yeah. Um, it's this big, like, I've given you a couple pieces, like, mm. this big traumatic story. So it ended up being a biography, but only till I was 19 years old. Because um, at that point, I'm out of foster care. So I walk, I start off by talking about, like, my early childhood and how the government policies in the early 90s kind of destroyed my childhood mm. and destroyed my family. Um, you know, when you talk about the government policies, do you use facts? Like, are you, are we, are we drawing that? 1990, yeah. blah, 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 children's yeah. act, all that stuff, wicked. Yeah. Okay. So I start, no, I start off with the crime bill, which is, well, I start off with, um, I believe it was the crime bill and talk about how my grandpa, who was the only person who was ever there for me, who actually was happy when I was born, um, was taken away because, not because he committed a crime, but because at some point in the 70s, he committed a crime and he was known to be a criminal, but at this point, he's just like a factory worker dad, um, but his son, my dad, um, committed a crime and they have the same name. So the police arrested him and just threw him up the river knowing damn well it was my dad. But they just got someone off that they wanted to get up the river, you know? Like, they're like, let's get rid of this guy. Black people, now I know why the riots are on the level, in it, Wayne? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How much can you take? Like, seriously? But on, on his, in I guess in the police defense, my grandpa could have fought it, but he was trying to, in his words he was trying to help his son. Yeah. Like, he was going to take this L for his kid, um, who ended up in prison like a year later anyway. Like, what the hell? Um, and so uh, I started for the crime bill. I go into welfare reform. And I talk about how my grandma was trying to raise like all of her kids on her own, plus her grandkids, um, and how like we needed welfare, but like uh, they were cutting, they cut it off. And so she's working three jobs. I talk about how my mom couldn't get uh, help couldn't get assistance in Georgia um how she had to work three jobs and we had to like hide in the house um and how that all set it up for some rich lady to come and kidnap my little sister by telling my mom oh yeah I'll help you but with that light-skinned baby who looks like me yeah I'll help you with that one and then all of a sudden I don't have a sister anymore so I go into that and then I go into how all of that built up into this one simple thing which is I got into a fight with my mom she Mm -hmm. slapped me I ended up in foster care no. See, the the story itself is pretty simple. My mom slapped me. I go to foster care, no. but it's, it's more complicated with that. There's a lot that comes with it. Um, it's sad because you know they've taken what do you say discipline at the home in some way now, haven't they? Um, where you know if you get slapped, it's like da da da. But there should be a, there's a level that I believe because I remember obviously being in care. This is another thing because with the white family, this is one thing I remember, I know there's a definite difference between uh, different races of children because I've worked in childcare settings. So Indian children perform differently to black children, to white children, and also your economic status has something to do with it, yeah? So if you come from money, those kids are gonna move completely different to the kids that come from poverty, right? And in different races and cultures as well, yeah? Because like the Indians have a culture. Does that make sense? So even if you're poor, As long as you follow the culture, <laughs> you should be all right, you know? Now, um, 
what that showed me as well is uh shit, I forgot my point now to Ross. <laughs> I've gotten off the, the thing. <laughs> what, what did I start uh, saying? I was just getting into it as well. What was I saying? Um, what you're was... talking about um I'm sorry, I got a, like a thing from my day job, so I had to check with that. You're talking about how um black people shit, darn, I can't. No, no you've lost it. Um, <laughs> you're like talking about how Indians have their culture and um how the money separates how foster care affects people um and, and kids, even who goes to foster kids. care and about um how they remove discipline from the home right okay so with the discipline that's it that's what I was gonna say to you so with the white family because we I was black I was obviously a black child yeah and I was like two years old and it was a beautiful there was no poverty in this household right um, and now you've said it, I think I probably, we probably were the trophy kids. Because I'm thinking, why in the 80s did they, did they put me and my sister as black children, not mixed race, in that type of environment? So, but we were cute black kids, not going to lie, right? So we obviously got put there for some privileged thing. It was like a Madonna situation. You know what I mean? Like when I see the Madonna yeah. kids and whatever, I always, it just kind of makes me think about my situation when I was little. But we were naughty. Yeah, because remember, we're different sort of what the white, when I say naughty, we weren't naughty, because you know, you're not allowed to call kids naughty, but black kids are very sharp, very witty, but, you know what I mean? Like, so I, I saw, this is when I saw certain differences in, they had to parent us differently to how they parented white foster children. Yeah, we were the children that used to ask questions that the white foster kids wouldn't ask. So we'd be like, who, like authority, Black kids question authority. Mm. Who is God? They, they're not getting these kind of questions from white kids. Do you understand what I mean? Or why is my skin black? You know what I mean? It's a different level. So what was happening is I could see that they were learning. Like, you know what I mean? Like for, as parents and we were learning as kids and two different races. So they put the best of their race, everything they could know into me and my sister. Right. But but. You know what I mean? So that's the education. We had private tutors. We had ballet lessons. You know, like everything that the privileged white child would get, we got. And in return for that, we were giving them soul energy. Do you understand where I'm coming from when I'm saying this? Yeah? yeah. Now, I was aware of my soul energy. Yeah? Because when now I'm older and I'm performing on the level that I'm performing, I've evolved. Do you know what I mean? Into the woman I was meant to be. So I'm just so grateful. Right? But... When you're young and someone's saying, wow, you're, it's, not, it's the fact that you're not just a normal kid. There's more to you. Does that make sense? There's talent, there's skills. And when white people see those skills in black children, yeah, it's, it's wow. It's, oh my God, uh, what can I give this child so that she can reach her potential? Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, but my point with the discipline now, let me go back to that. Because with that, when a child's got talent or intelligence, they, are, they have their own mind. So they can do things without permission, which in some settings will be seen as rude. Does that make sense? Which is why black kids don't prosper in the Western education system. Because when a black boy is creative and da, 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 you cannot put him on a chair and tell him to sit still for eight hours a day. Well, but the that's reason why black kids don't prosper in the Western system is because they're not meant to be. Not meant to no, be. Like, they, you, yeah, I mean, but the reason why they're not meant to be, let's, let's see, see it from another angle then because they will reach their potential. Do you understand? So this is what being a system showed me. Yeah, I saw when you are allowed to reach your potential and what things need to be in place 
because they were in place for me. They weren't told. I had to reflect, and I remember I had a very good memory, mm. right? So I remembered everything that they put in place for me, why I could thrive. Now, I remember when they had to beat us. Now, remember, and they had to as part of our discipline. And they had to put a book. Now, this is the difference between the white family and the black family. The white family were like, right, because we know that we can't meet you and we're white, so we've got to stick to the, the law, yeah? They put a book and in the back of our pyjamas and we'd get beaten. Um, like, say, like, we did some, like, like, I think there was a tally chart. <laughs> and if you, if you hit all these tallies, imagine it. We, I was excited for my beatings, bro. I used to do things so I could get my smack with my book. And you know, like when a child, like you promise a child something and you look forward to it. I'm two years old, you know what I mean? These little basic things. But I remember when I was going to bed, brush my teeth. There was no animosity, like in a black house where you're like, you're having anxiety attacks because you're going to get this beating. Do you understand what I mean? It was like, okay, I done something wrong. I'm going to get the reprimanding for it. It's not going to bruise my skin. I'm not going to bleed and I'm not scared. Um, I am in trouble. Do you understand what I mean? But this, and that's the consequence. And I think because I was two, three, it was appropriate. You know, when I look back at things like that, right? Mm. It really has curved who I am today because they didn't turn around and say, don't be naughty or don't be who the hell you are. They were like, this is who you are. You're cheeky, you're this, you're that. Doesn't mean we don't love you. We still love you how you are, but we need to still put some, you know, they were like, we are the big, we are the boss. So this is how we show you that we're the boss, you know? And then my respect for them, I will go over the knee. Can I go over your knee? Put you over your knee. No, you didn't put me over the knee. I remember these conversations where they're like, you're not supposed to be laughing. You're in trouble. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. So I'd act and go, ah, it's hurting me. It's beating the damn book. When I got to the black people, Jesus have mercy. This is what I'm trying to say. Oh, man. (laughs) I I I shouldn't even say these things, but I'm going to say what I'm going to say, Yeah. I must have said something like, you know, like, because <laughs> this is the thing with black, we, when you're in a white household, you can speak your mind. Yeah. If I'm looking at, you know what I mean? Like, if you look at someone, you think you smell. Doesn't matter if you're big or you're, you're young, you smell or you're ugly or whatever it is. Like, a kid just says what they see. So, because I'd come from that environment, when I went into this environment where there was a lot of things that I felt scary and ugly and just strange. I used to say like, ugh, what's that? And this and that. My mouth was constantly bleeding until I just stopped talking and I became a mute. And that's what I'm trying to, and I saw that. And I think I had to be taught, obviously, that this is our culture. You are not a white girl, yeah? And it was just like forms into me because they were like, yo, you're whitewashed, da 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 Like, cause I'd be like, oh my God, they just hit me. Oh I have a- God. I have a joke that I um say like about how it is in America. Um, so in America, this is how spankings are looked at. All right, black family, uh, spank you. What, you ain't uh, wait. Can I get a timeout? What you're not white? Go get my belt. Uh, Asian family, can I get a timeout? Do I look white to you? Go get my belt. Um, Latino family, do I look white to you? Go get my my chancla. All right, and then it goes like white, 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 and then you get a, a white family that's like from the south. It's like, do we look rich to you? <laughs> and like everyone beats their kids here. Like it doesn't matter if you're white. All right, like if everyone beats their kids. Like no, people can't admit it, and I'll get to that in a second. But everyone beats their kids. Um, it's a it's a standard form of our discipline here. Um, 
I didn't, I didn't beat my kid and I paid for that heavily. Uh, okay. Okay. I, I learned, I learned, I learned, I learned about, uh, that kids need to be spanked. And like I said, beat, but like, I mean, like a, a spanking, like pop the butt, yes. blah, 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 blah. There's a line but between I, I can't, I can't name a single person who I know whether, other than some super duper duper rich kid who had it, who I'll tell you what their discipline was that didn't get spanked. I had a conversation with this white guy who had a huge crush on uh, from a college. And he was just like, I, I wouldn't be where I am if I didn't get, if my parents didn't beat my ass. And we were in med school. I mean, we were in, um, we were in college on our way to trying to get into med school. He's a doctor now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a very Southern thing that everybody beats their kids and across the United States, everyone beats their kids except for super rich white people. Um, and they do weird stuff. My f- no, it's because they don't have the same. No, no, I'm no, I have to say super rich. I don't mean just like, I mean, middle class beats their kids here. Uh, okay. Upper class beats their kids here. You have to get to a level of like where it's crazy, where it's just like, oh no, Timmy has to express himself. And the one <laughs> kid who I know who came from that environment, his parents made him wear diapers um, as a punishment. And he had like this, he has this like huge mental complex about it now. Uh, Like they would make, until he was 11, um, by the way, uh, and older. So um, when we were talking about taking discipline out the house, you can, I tell you, everyone beats their kids, right? But the people who get their children taken away for getting spankings, and I do mean simple spankings. I don't mean drawing blood. I don't mean beating them until they're black and blue and can't walk. I mean, simple spankings are black kids, Native American kids. Uh, Latino kids know not to say nothing, but like my son went to school. Why? And Why do they know not to say nothing? Please explain it. Because grandma's a killer. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, because they're still, I, they're still, there's, there's old school attitude. So back when I was a kid, it was like, go tell your teacher I beat your ass, and I'll beat your ass, and then I'll like take you to school and drop you off at defect shelter, you know. But that part has kind of gone away. But I think a lot of my Latino friends are like, yeah, if I t- went to tell a teacher that my mom hit me. I just get my ass beat worse. <laughs> like, um, and so I think that's still a thing, but I can't speak because I'm not a Latino. I don't know. I just know that uh, from what I was told by my Latino friends, they're smart enough not to say anything because when my son went to uh, second grade or first grade and I told him if he mouthed off to me one more time, I was going to pop his hand with a ruler. He went to school and he told his teacher he's afraid to go home because his mom was going to hit him with a ruler. She, he did say that part. And I had an entire defects investigation swarm on me threatening to take my child because I told him I was going to pop his hand with a ruler mm. after everything I had experienced in foster care all of them being thrown down on the floor all of them injecting me with drugs all of them throwing me against the walls having special ed teachers throw us against walls to tell me as a parent that I can't pop my son's hand with a ruler is yeah. garbage it's and, and they and they do that. Um, my my best friend just had this whole thing, and now her son, who's like twelve, that age where you have to instill discipline in your child, is telling her you can't touch me because the lady said if you do, you're going to get in trouble. Him and I had to explain to him what really happens. Your mom's not going to get in trouble. You're going to go into the state system, and you're going to be abused worse. Someone and and that. it's not everybody's kids who are taken. If I go down to Ringgold, Georgia, where it's like Southern Baptist right wing. Kids are getting spanked and nobody's calling the state. Um, the white kids who I met in care had serious, horrible stuff happen to them. And yeah. I and, and there was a lot. Like they had horrible stuff. It yeah. wasn't as simple as spanking. But yeah. the black kids who I met, my mom yeah, yeah. spanked me. My mom, my the, the electricity got cut off. Um, 
I, I, I see a, that in England. I, I can. I think in England we've got a similar thing. Like you can, if you're black, you're. It's easier for your child to be taken. Um, for if you're a loving parent, you know, like if you actually want your child, but you're just struggling and you need some help, they're the ones that lose the children. And then the ones that don't want the pitney, child all over the street at God knows what time of the night, neglect everything. They stay in the home. I've had a lot of conversations with my friends from high school who weren't in foster care. He's like white kids from middle class. And a lot of them are like my abusive alcoholic fathers to come and beat me. And I'm like, and the school never even said anything to you. And they're like, no, um, like, and it wasn't that they didn't say anything. It's not like they didn't come to school with bruises sometimes, but they just weren't the ones taken. It was us that are taken. And I had just told a lady, um, um, her name's Ice Age Baby. She's on uh, Twitter. And she was talking about the movie Lilo and Stitch um, mm-hmm. and how the whole concept of that is like you have this indigenous family, they're Hawaiian, mm-hmm. and the sister is doing everything she can to keep her child while the, while the state keeps trying to take it, oh, yeah. take her little sister from mm-hmm. her. Like, and that's like a side story that no one really pays attention to is that the, the, the government is trying to take the kid. And they do that to black people. They do that to Native Americans. They will take your kids from anyone. They will drive your entire neighborhood into severe poverty. And then take your kids for being poor. I met so many kids from my middle school and my high school in foster care. In fact, the girl who broke my wrist, I saw her then like two years later in the foster system. Mm. Um, like there's, there's no excuse for having everyone else coming from foster care. All my white friends, they didn't know each other. They might've been from the same city, but they never interacted. Mm. But there were so many black kids in foster care because of poverty that kids oh. from my school were all just like flooding in. And I'm like, and they're like, why are they doing this? I'm like, this is an intentional act to destabilize Native American and African American communities. So can I ask Quay, now that you've analyzed it and reflected on your life and you know why these things, you know, like I said, you you know, you know why some of these things are happening. What things, what are you suggesting solutions or like, what are you doing with that information? I am so for my book. I'm just I'm telling the story and I'm pointing out the bullshit. Uh, I'm sorry, y'all. I cuss a lot. No, it's I'm, okay. I'm, You're American. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm telling the stories. I'm pointing out the bullcrap. I'm pointing out the horrific stories, um, and I'm hoping that it will shed light because I'm introducing myself as just a kid who all I wanted to do when I was 13 was to go to school, make straight, beat all my friends, all of them in grades. I wasn't even the top student, but I tried. I was like, I got a 95. And my friend would say, I got 99. I'm like, I hate you, you stupid bitch. Um, so that was my that was my life. I wanted to grow up. I wanted to be a, rest, a pro wrestler on WWE or a doctor. She had dreams. And so well, my dreams were to be a pro wrestler, but I was a little, I was a geek. And they took this geeky little kid who like, yes, my life was traumatic, but it didn't, cha- that didn't change me. All of this stuff with my family, I was still always the geeky kid who, who dissected stuff and not like in a weird serial killer way, but like in a yeah, science way. Science. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, and they took that kid. And by the time the state was done with this 13 year old geeky kid, I was, um, robbing, not robbing, but I was like stealing from stores. I, um, I pickpocketed people. On paper, you were a monster, basically. On paper, paper. but on paper, I was worse than I actually was. What I actually was, was a kid trying to survive. Um, And on paper, and I did stuff, this is stuff they didn't know about. I I like, because I was, I was homeless. So I pickpocketed. I had to beg for money. I had, I I had to do all kinds of weird stuff, but not to the point where it was like trafficking. 
Yeah, but hold on, let me let me say it. So I did have to do stuff that I wouldn't necessarily do, like the stepping on the girl's neck and like all in. But I never lost that part of me. Um, And I wanted to I'm walking people through this story of how the state changed this child who was trying, who just wanted to survive. And at the end of it, I still just wanted to go to school. My final struggle with the state wasn't about, it wasn't about being medicated. It wasn't about being abused. It was just, please let me go to school. And they were like, no, fuck you. You don't have, we're not going to enroll you in school because we don't have to. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was my primary thing. And so I'm trying to get people's eyes to open to what kids are going through. And in the end, I do point out all of the government stuff that caused it. And I do point out that I found out later that they said I was a prostitute, which just keeps coming up. Like people just keep, do I look like I'm attractive enough, enough to be bought? Like, come on now. Like I wouldn't pay for this. Then again, so that, <laughs> actually, actually, I'm, I'm gonna, uh, push back against that. Um, see some girls who look way worse than you are making a killing. It's the same thing <laughs> From selling their book. Yeah. So you don't have to look any particular yeah. way. Uh, in that <laughs> well, so they they said I was a prostitute. They said I was an IV drug user. Um, all of these things that are being spread by the state. And I noticed, and like you're on my Facebook, so you saw that crazy cousin of mine who said yeah, yeah. like I that post I post, like I now found out that I'm a le- like now I know who was spreading that I'm a lesbian drug addict prostitute. Mm. And apparently that's like the go-to thing to discredit someone who who you hurt is to tell people that, oh no, they're a drug addict. Oh no, they're a prostitute. Oh no, they're they're gay. And I had the yeah. same issues with the state spreading the same rumors. And I'm just like, all I want to do is go to school. I never used IV drugs. I've never, I, I, there was one time where I had sex with this guy. I was like se- 17 and I snuck into a concert. I hit it off with this college guy and we were really hitting it off. And we're like, and he's like grinding on me in the middle of the concert. This is like the best thing ever. We go back to my hotel room because I'm a grown up and I can do what I want because I'm all of 16. No, I was 17 at the time for 16. And we sleep together and we wake up the next day and he's like, I don't have any money. I was like, what? <laughs> That's the closest thing I ever came to prostitution. <laughs> I was having a guy mistake me for prostitute. Yeah. And it happens to all girls, darling. Don't watch that. That happens to all girls. I've never asked like a girl. How- I've never asked a girl. You're like, okay, I'm told you. I've never done that. No, God, it, it happens. It happens. That's like my first one night staying. It's like, I, I don't. How much is it? Well, what, you know, you should ask me how much I charged up front, dude. I mean, come on. Like, where's the ATM? At this point, I want money now. <laughs> there's a lot. There's a lot to unpack there. But so you know, like like you said, so you're telling your truth, and that's your story, and giving a voice to those kids that have got so much potential. They want to learn, and they are, yeah. And I hope that it opens people's eyes. Um, I hope that it it reaches out to these yuppy people. And I'm not going. I'm hoping that it makes black people become foster parents. Every 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 other community has this push. Native Americans are like they are passing legislation like you cannot keep taking our children um, from us. Like because they, yeah. Do you okay? So. How do how how do you get your message then out to the people? Oh, you mean what do you mean? So, like you know, you when they hear your story, you're you're like you want it to inspire them to get in there and think, you know what? Forget this. Let's get it's, in there. And these kids. It's to sh- it is to shock. I want people to find it within themselves. So, I want black people to hear the story about this black kid who was taken away from their community and never got to go back until they were adult to decide to be foster parents. I want white people to read about this horrible thing that's happening and decide, and decide to become foster parents. I, um, 
What I'm trying to say is then, do you think that your book is going to be enough to get that message? I feel, oh, you, yeah. It, well, it's two books. No, I'm, I'm, I'm writing two books. Um, the first one is about the foster care system. Um, the second one is about being homeless. Um, and my goal that I'm pointing out um, I, is to create change by making people realize what's happening because they don't talk about these stories. Right now, even right now, I'm having an issue finding a literary agent because people don't want to hear. I've actually seen want to hear stories that feature foster kids don't want to hear about foster care experiences. Literally in the, um, when you Google, you can Google it yourself and you'll see a couple of agents like, but don't want stories about foster care experiences. They want adoption stories, but they don't want foster care stories. They don't want the bad stories. They want to present, oh, keep to people. Smart. So for instance, yeah. I, hold on, hold on. I, how, how, how I've, I'm just going to tell you how I tackle, how, I don't know if you've seen my page, but I'm aware of this system in terms of, yes, they don't want, they don't want to be exposed, right? But there's a way, because like, you see the book, the product, that is the gold right there, you, you know, you've got the gold, the treasure, but it's about bringing the horse to the water. This is why I asked you that, you know, because marketing is my thing, yeah? Uh, so, yeah, so, um, what I was trying to say is, um, so by telling the stories and by getting it out there, um, at the end of the day, the goal is to open people's eyes. Um, but it's also to take the money that I make from it to push change because money in America is what matters. Um, my mom, my son is like, if when you sell your book, are you going to run for, for Senate or Congress? And the answer is honestly, yes. There was no, one in our presidential me. primary. <laughs> oh, you kept not, not letting me get through the end of it. <laughs> so like once... Yeah, once, well, not president. I at least want to run for Congress. I would never want to be president. But this there's power because with yeah. what you have, that knowledge, that experience, you have so much power. And a book alone, yes, that's your story. But you're going to have to push some people. You got to kick some. Oh, I want to, oh, I just want to get, I just, the book is for the money. Um, the book is to hopefully inspire people. Um, I never wanted to actually tell my story um, in any form, uh, except for maybe TV. So, uh, the book is to get a series sold, a TV series. Okay. Uh, when I get that series told and it's like in the houses of Americans and they're seeing the struggle, it will inspire people. And the reason why I know is because I've inspired people to become foster parents. One of my friends from college, after hearing me speak one time, she changed her major from English to law, pre-law so that she could become a child advocate. My Dude. son's dad's mom, who probably shouldn't have became a foster parent, to be honest, was inspired to become a foster parent. I know I'm I've gotten inspired. at least three people um, and so imagine if this story is told on a, on a broader scale. So I don't even have to be too preachy about it um, to get it out there more. But I, I'm going to take that money, whatever money I get. One, I'm going to set up myself and my son to be more stable so that I can become a foster parent if I can. Because uh, I'm not sure if I mentioned that's one of the bigger issues here is that when you come from a group home, uh, lifestyle and they have they send you to jail over and over and over and over again you get this criminal record that can make you not be eligible for a foster parent oh, um one more thing in england we've got the what's it called it's like an agency i only found out about a couple of years ago it was set up by famous people that have been in care like john fashionu people that are like major rich celebrities that you would never believe right but they it's um see children adoption oh god i need to find i think it's called cap i need to find it but basically obviously over the years it's developing and you know like um like yourself like literally if you went to uni and you did and you had to pay back your fine and pay all of that like 
is literally a place for like all the, everyone who's gone through care become lawyers, become doctors, you know, like come way, way up. They stay, um, what's the word, volunteer their services in this company. That's what I wanted. That's what I wanted to create and that I tried for a very hard, long time to try to do, but I didn't have enough social collateral or power. And the foster kid youth that are getting famous, like your Tiffany Haddish, there's one lady soap opera um, that I can't remember her name. Um, apparently, someone told me Eddie Murphy at some point was in foster care, but I don't remember that saying in, in his bio. Um, they either push it under the rug because they don't want to be known by it, or they've had traumatic experiences that they don't want to be known comedy routine. So they're not telling tragic stories. And I have to imagine that Tiffany Haddish has some kind of, has some story because she got her start it. while she was sleeping in her car. Um, no, I've read her book. Tiffany yeah, I mean, she told her story and she told her story in her book. But what I'm saying is like beyond telling the story, like she just started, um, she just started a initiative for foster kids to go into media, for example. Um, She's doing her thing. And you know, this is the thing. Yeah. Okay? One thing. But, about if you cut me off there, it looks like I'm talking shit about Tiffany Haddish. No, 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 no. Oh, what I was trying to say is like um, a lot of people, a lot of celebrities don't want their story told. And the ones that do, like Tiffany Haddish, um, it's, it's limited because they've had limited experiences for it. And they have, and there's a limited scope. I mean, she's not like a multi-billionaire. Like if Oprah had become from foster care, uh, uh, that there's like some kind of give back. And what I would like to do is start something like that similar. At this point, I don't know anything that is there. I tried to start a mentorship thing through some foster care organizations that I work with. Um, and it's in its infancy. And what I keep being told is um, there's already there's already nonprofits doing this stuff. So let them do it and just give them money, which uh, I guess yeah, is where yeah, I'm at yeah. right no, now. Don't do that. Don't do that. That's like giving Red Cross money. Or these marriage organizations who take the money and split it up. Look at that scheme. Remember a couple a couple of weeks ago that um feed the children scheme that was giving out thirty pound oh, lunches God. a week in England. Thirty pound. At the end, all they got, I think the kids were shopping for about two pound fifty or something, and the rest of the money was diced up into little bits to everybody else. Nah, man, criminals or criminals. Keep Just doing do what you're doing. whatever your vision is, Quay. Do your vision because that's yeah. been given to yeah. you for a reason. My goal no. is to make not make it my life. Um, is to make it my to make my life something that creates change. But I still have a goal of not having foster care be the center of my life. Yeah, there also, needs to be an end to it. I hear yeah. that. Also, what I would say is that the last thing is I wrote down in my notes is that it's probably a good idea to see. I don't know if it exists, but setting up some sort of system where you can get young kids to talk to you if they need to. You know, like you got these um women who've been um. How do you say in the, I don't, can people still say raped? You know, these rape victims, these yes. raped, or people who are going to suicide helplines and stuff like this. You probably need one of those, a foster care helpline set up. I don't know if there's one that exists already. I'm not sure, but if there's all these traumatic uh, experiences happening, there must Here, the issue is that there's stuff that exists that kids don't know about. Like right down to even, I literally just had to tell another 17 year old about the carryover services. Like, mm. how do they not, how are they still not telling these kids that you don't have to be homeless when you're 18? You can yeah. go to college, you can have stuff. Um, so so is inf- getting the information to the kids, you can actually call DFAX's hotline and tell them you're being abused and they have to come and get you, even if you're in a foster home, but kids don't know that. Yeah. All they know is that they've been placed into a home. Yeah. So, like, if they put me here, of course, they're not going to believe me is where the kids come from. So, um, 
the bigger issue is getting the information to the kids and getting more child advocates, having enough child advocates out there so that no kid falls under the cracks anymore. Yeah, definitely. That's cool. Anyway, um, I think we should probably leave it there. I want you, I want to get you back on. Actually, from next week, we're going to do some Black History Month. I don't know what your Black History Month um, knowledge is like. I am a wealth of knowledge on everything. Okay, then, then... I have education that costs too damn much, and I know too much. That's oh. useless. So, oh. All right. then, then I would like to because we're going to carry on uh, for the next three weeks at least to the end of February. We're going to try and do something on Black History, and I don't know how many people have our group know about black history so we'd love to get someone on who can give us a help i don't know if you're available next week or the week after that but we can write i anyway. am Are i'm available um yeah about american black history or because i don't know the whole world like, i is, know we don't have black history in england but it's become kind of a a go-to place for everyone who's black because yeah 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 so the American Wait, you don't black have history. black history in England? We don't have black history, no. We have Black Friday. That counts. Okay. Actually, we're not even have Black wait. Week. So do you guys have anything that celebrates anybody's culture in England? Like, we have a month for everything at this point. It gets, it gets no, boring. No, we you don't. Have- we don't. Not in, not in Europe, no. We're just, like, just there. We're hap- we should be happy to... That's how it makes us feel. We should be happy to be there because we could be in some place worse, you know. No, the place wouldn't be worse if, if y'all didn't go there in the first place. <laughs> exactly. Like, exactly. If, if, if Africa would be way better if Europe never touched foot there. Like, yeah, yeah, that's it. That's what I always say. That's what. That's the first <laughs> line I said when I went to Tanzania. I put my foot down. I said, a tear rolled down my, my cheek. And I was like, they were all right, man. They didn't need all these banks and all these buildings. They did not need that. They were good. Okay, then, yeah, so they had all those banks and built. They had Africa had a a thriving, most of Africa had thriving cultures and societies. And oh my gosh, like, yeah, we need to talk. (laughs) Um, the The best example of this is a friend from South America was told to go back to her country. She said, I'd love to go back to my country. If your country could stop making my country shit. Yeah. And that's Africa. Like, my country is fine. (laughs) That's it. All right, we'll get you on. We'll probably do another uh, part three of this. Um, oh, where's where's Laverne gone? She's just gone. Yeah, okay, whatever. Oh. <laughs> she took off. Yeah, we'll probably do a part three of, of this at some point. But we're going to focus a bit on Black history, and I'd love to have you as part of it. We've got another woman from Ohio, um, African-American lady too. Uh, she's really full of energy. She's so lovely. Her name's Tanya. Uh, hopefully she'll be on as well. And we can all, like, you guys can educate us. Or we can tell you a little bit about what we know. And we can have a good time. There'll be pizza. Well, there won't be anything because we're not in the same room. But, you know, it'll be a good time anyway. All right. Cool beans. Well, I have to get ready for a work meeting. Yeah, so sure, it's been really sure, nice sure. talking to you. I think you that's too. probably why she, I think she was trying to wrap it up, too, because I think she had something to do. Um, yeah. It's been really nice talking to you. Thank you so much for having me on again. Sorry we you got too. all over the place. It's okay. We're gonna, we're gonna, like, I would love to have you as a, a regular guest on my show, at least. Um, you'd be a, definitely a great addition. No more my crazy stories, though. My cra- stories. No, no, no. Crazy. We can. We can y'all, say y'all, the looks on your faces are like, what? <laughs> but I'll talk to you soon. Okay. All right. See you in a bit. All right. See you. Bye bye. Okay. Bye bye. I think Levent's coming in too. I am. Hi. Uh, I'm so we're sorry about that. Yeah, we're, we're just sure. wrapping up. We're just we're just wrapping up now. So. Hey, uh, we're just taking bye. Bye. Oh, Sorry. take care. Thank you. Lovely seeing you again. Yeah, and I will definitely be connecting with you on social media. Oh,
Hi, cute kid. How <laughs> oh, can you see that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yo, get the bed. I gotta work. Talk to you guys later. Bye bye. All right. Oh I'll my see God. I'll, see, I'll, see I'll catch you in the group, okay, Levan. Oh, right, then no worries. All right. Great podcast. Yeah. Take care. Bye bye. Okay, bye bye. Bye.